We're looking at Romans chapter 6, and, and, and Stuart's right, it's a, it's a tremendous chapter. The whole book's really good, but um, Romans chapter 6 is uh, pretty involved. There's a lot of things you can get out of it. Uh, I was looking at a, uh, a commentary uh, that was taken from someone's sermons, and uh, they took three weeks to get through chapter 6 of Romans. Won't take three weeks, all right? Promise. So this morning I'd like to look at Romans with that title. We're going to just sort of focus on a, a couple of things. Can't give it, can't give it our full attention, but we're going to look at a couple of things. Whose slave are you? Whose slave are you? Now, I don't know if you remember this, but when we first started the book of Romans, uh, we had this little thing uh, over here. I didn't realise it was going to be that small. It says that one of the things that we're trying to do here in Romans is to give opportunity to believe. This is why we're doing the book of Romans here at Montmorency, to give people an opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord. And the idea is... Is to use the above theme as a part of our third strategic priority. The way the, the, door, the words are on the door and apply wherever possible. Thank you, Devon. I'll look at that. See, this is what you can do when you know technology. Thank you. That's much better. Wherever possible, the teaching found in the book of Romans, the subject of belief and unbelief, its benefits and consequences to be highlighted and stressed as they occur in the book. I'm hoping to stress you this morning. I really am. Because in this passage, in this chapter, there is opportunity for all of us, every single person in this room, to believe in Jesus Christ, either as Saviour or as Lord, preferably Saviour and Lord. All right? So there we go. I hope you've got your Bible opened already to chapter 6. If you haven't, let's turn to it now. We're going to read it together. I remember reading to you a little thing that uh, the Apostle Peter wrote when I did another part of Romans to you. And he said that Paul would write about stuff and it would be difficult to understand. This is another one of those bits. So bear with me, I will try to explain it to you when we finish the reading. But it says this in verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptised into Christ Jesus, were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. 
Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do, not, do you not know that when you, offer yourself, sorry, when you offer yourself to somebody to obey as slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obey at the form of teaching which we have entrusted which you are entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as, as, just as your, just as you rather, used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever increasing weakness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves to God. And the benefit you reap leads to holiness and to, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I know, just by having read this bit of the word of God, you have been blessed. We have all been blessed. We really have. <clears throat> Whose slave are you? Uh, I guess the first thing that comes into your mind is, is I'm not a slave. I'm not a slave. You're mad, Raph. There's no slavery in, even in Australia. You know, it's a sad reflection on the education system here in Australia that we don't know about slavery in Australia. We don't. It's, it was here. We had it too. But what we do know a lot about is the American slavery, don't we, in the US. I learnt that at high school. I think it was in year, that's fourth form, that's year 10. I did Australian history in year 12. Not a peep about Australian slavery. So I know a lot about the US slavery. I know some of these, that's that's a, a picture and this is a photograph. I know it's distressing, isn't it? But you know, 
That's what we think of when we think of slavery. And this is not what Paul had in mind when he was writing chapter 6. You know, Paul uses an analogy. Now, an analogy is, you know, a little story or, or something that's similar. Okay? Similar in some aspects. Now, you've got to keep that in mind. And so Paul, Paul was a great teacher. He really was. And he used a lot of analogies. And to illustrate certain points. And so he's using something that's very, very common in his day. Like I said, those pictures there are so foreign to us that they distress us. But Paul was using, was using the slave and master analogy because it was very prevalent in, in his day. Do you know that the Roman Empire at one point in the first century had 30% of its population, you know, of the whole of the Roman Empire were slaves? Not in chains though. It was a different type of economic system and slavery had a number of different levels and tiers and, and applications. I'm not condoning slavery. I'm just trying to explain to you why Paul uses this analogy. It would seem strange today to use the the slave and master analogy, but it wasn't strange for Paul in Paul's day. And everybody in that day knew exactly what Paul was saying and referring to in the passage that we read. Slavery is not the topic of this chapter. I want you to get that very clear. It's not. Even though it's mentioned many times, it's not the topic. The topic is, whose slave are you? That's the topic. That's what Paul is referring to. That's why he's using this analogy. You see, we're all slaves, Paul says. You and me. All of us. And we all have a master. Every single one of us. You know, sometimes there are things and people and stuff that that control us and we, we think to ourselves, we're the boss, but we're not. We're not. We're slaves. What is a slave? And there's, there's my dictionary definition. A slave is a person who is the property of and wholly subject to another. The second meaning is a person entirely under the domination of some influence or person. You know, you, you don't see chains there, do you? You don't see oppression. You don't see beatings. You don't see mistreatment, but that's what a slave is. A master is a person with the ability or power to use, control or dispose of something. And the second meaning, which I thought was interesting, an owner of a slave or an animal. And then it finally gets down to number three, an employer. And when you look at that, you realise that yes, there are things that influence us, that have power over us. And I'm not just talking about the government. There are things that control us. 
We're slaves. We think we're free. We think we are the boss. I'm the boss. But the reality is, no, you're not. You try that tomorrow. Chris, I pick on you because you're just there, right? You try that at school tomorrow. You're not the boss there, no. You know? It's Father's Day that we're not the boss, are we, Graham? We're not the boss, not even today. We're not, that. we're not, you know? And that's the reality, isn't it? We make light of it, but it's true. We are not the boss of our own lives. It's an illusion. It's a delusion if we think that. We're deluding ourselves to think that we're free. Something or someone controls us. Maybe not in every aspect of our lives, but in certain ones. I've got a list here. Uh, In our work, our career, we're driven, we're controlled to do certain things. Ego and fitness, an interesting story. Interesting story in the Herald Sun today. I had a quick look at it this morning about the relationship between beauty and health. Have a look at that. It's worth a read. Money. Money controls us, doesn't it? The lack of it, the desire for it, how we earn it, how we gain it, what we do with it. Then there's sex and relationships, controlling relationships, the desire for adventure and travel and new experiences. You know, we live just for that. Everything that we do is geared for just that. Then there's power. The desire for power, wanting to have power. Notoriety and fame, even education. What's wrong with, how can education enslave us? You know, degree after degree after degree. You know, here's, here's your name and here are all the letters beside it. I'm not mocking that. I'm just saying, what's the motivation? There are, there is the achievements, the addictions, leisure. And the control of those things in those areas in your life, how can you tell? You can tell by your actions, the way you live, the, way, the behaviours that you have towards that, as, that aspect or those aspects in your life and other things. And, and your attitudes and your values are all affected by whose slave you are. That's a fact. It's not a story. I haven't made this up. It's a fact. It's a medical fact. It causes us as humans immeasurable harm. Who controls us? Last week Josh talked about chapter 5 and he was talking about different things and there was a word that kept coming up and that word was rain. Not the the precipitation type, but the ruling type. That's what it means. It means to rule. And it talked about it as as death rules and sin rules and uh, and righteousness rules. And that word reign means to rule, to have authority, to have dominion, to have influence. And there were two men, weren't there? There were two, two men. You're either influenced by Adam's nature or you're influenced by Jesus' nature, the second Adam. And we all fall into those two categories. That's why they're mentioned. Any other parts of scripture they're mentioned as the first Adam? 
and the second Adam. They represent us. That's it. And in chapter 6 here, it continues this thought. You know, the chapter division is just a man-made thing. And Paul wrote this. There was no chapter 6. So he's continuing the thought. He says, what shall we say then? Whose slave are you, Raph? Whose slave are you? You know, Paul, Paul was a great teacher, but he was in your face. He really was. He challenged you all the time. He challenged people, the way they lived, the way they thought, the things that they did and the things that they didn't do. He was in your face and he's in your face this morning. It's not me. It's Paul. Paul has a way of writing things, a style. He, he loves contrasting and comparing. That's what he's doing here. And in chapter 5 he was contrasting two men. Here he's, he's contrasting two masters, two lives and two results. Pretty easy to remember, isn't it? Two masters, two lives, two results. In chapter 1 of Romans, verse 7, Paul is saying he's writing to the Christians, the believers in in Rome. That's who this letter's for. And it's interesting when you think about that and read chapter 6. What's the point of putting it in there? Are we not Christians? Why is he writing this? Paul wants Christians and believers to have the full advantage of their faith in Christ. That's the idea behind it. Something extraordinary happened to you when you trusted Jesus Christ. Something unique happened to you when you believed Jesus. And this is it. You were set free. Set free. You think of a slave. The two best words you could get. Set free. Set free for what? And he says in in verse 4, chapter 6, he says that we may live a new life. A new life. Set free that we may live a new life. It's really interesting, isn't it, that little word may. It's not will. The word may means it's It's possible. It's possible to live a new life. That's really interesting that Paul chose that word, isn't it? Because you can be a believer and you can be set free and not live a new life. How's that, how's that, how's that to be? You see, in the Civil War in America, the US Civil War, when they, when they fought about slavery, The whole country was divided. And I've told you this before from the platform that America has lost its greatest number of soldiers, not in World War One, not in World War Two, not even in the Korean War or Vietnam, which went for over twenty years, but they lost 
the most American lives in the American Civil War. In fact, in fact, all the other wars that America has been involved in, all the deaths of those soldiers still don't add up to the number of American lives lost in the Civil War and they fought it over slavery. So in the US, in 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was made, the war was fought, the good guys won, the slaves were to be set free. And now that so the Negro slaves were free to live a life of their own choosing. Many chose to stay with their masters, some of their masters, as sharecroppers. You know, the, the arrangements of how things were to be had changed a little and many had chose to, 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 to live and do something completely different, went off the plantation and, and, and did something completely different. In all instances, in all instances, no one chose to remain a slave. Nobody says, you know what, I like it here. And here Paul is saying, this freedom is that so that you may be able to live a new life. In verses 5 to 10 of this chapter, there's an analogy of emancipation, to be free from the restraint and influence of, of sin. Now there's one way that you can escape from slavery. It's pretty extreme. Being set free from slavery, the scripture says here, is death. If you die, you're no longer a slave. But that's extreme. Would you not agree with that? That's extreme. Because Paul here is using an analogy. He says that once you die to something, it has no claims on you. Verse 7 says, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. All we remember what Josh was talking about last week, all died, all benefited from that death of Jesus Christ at Calvary. Christ was risen from the grave, all who believe and trust in him benefit from that resurrection. So if you're in that position... Verse 12 says, therefore, do not let sin reign or rule in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. I've said this many times from this platform. I love God's word. I just look at those two lines. Have a look at those two. It says, therefore, do not. Do not let this happen anymore. Do not let it reign or rule in your, what? Mortal body. Brothers and sisters, Paul is writing to you this morning. He was writing to the Christians in Rome. How could this be? How could this be? He's not talking about your spiritual body. He's he's put the word mortal body in there. I love that. He makes it very clear. It's for the here and now, isn't it? That's when we're mortal, not when we're dead and in heaven, but for now. 
And, and, and how do we know that this can happen to us? How do we know it is happening to us? Because we obey sin's evil desires. I've done that. I've done that. I'm going to be presumptuous and say you've done that too. That's why, that's why we have Romans chapter 6. We're slaves. We really are. We have a master. But we're in a position, we are in a privileged position, brothers and sisters, that we do not have to let sin reign in our life anymore. Anymore. What Paul is saying here is do not respond to sinful desires. That's easy to say, isn't it? Do not respond to the old master, you know, the little voice that we say we hear. That's that's good, Ralph. Let's do that. doesn't matter about the consequence. It's good. It'll be fun. It'll be good. You know, make you happy. Paul is saying here, you no longer have to obey that master because you're dead. You're dead. And that's the anal- another analogy that he has. He says, what should be the response? Now, la- the other day somebody said to me, Raph, when you're preaching, you, you, you should tell more, more stories about your life, you know. Get, let people get to know you. I'm going to tell you a quick little story. When I was a little boy in grade one or two, we lived in Coburg at the back in a street back in, at the back of Sydney Road. It was called Ankatel Street. We had, a, we had a blacksmith shop here. We lived here. And over here was the City Oval, Coburg City Oval, where Coburg, the VFA team, played. And you went, you went through one old gate of the oval and went down the other gate and then it was the croquet club and the bowling club and a nice real park area that I used to go and play. Loved it. But Ankatel Street ran along uh, another street which is a very straight street and all the backs of the shops were you know, backing into it and there was you know, the bins and rubbish and creepy crawlies, you know... Uh, you know, the rats. Yeah. And with the rats came the cats. It used to be a very straight street, very busy, and people used to speed up and down it. And so there would be dead animals along that street, cats in particular. And, you know, little boys who are, you know, eight or nine, we're very curious we're very brave. Yeah, we egg each other on. And so there'd be this dead cat on the road, in the gutter. And we, we knew it was dead. But we, we would get a stick, wouldn't we? We'd get a stick. Hey, what are you laughing at, Morris? Did you do you'd get a stick and you'd go up to it like this and you'd poke it. That's what little boys do. There was never any response from those cats. Never. Why is that cat? Oh, that, that, that was no. That was, sorry. 
because they were dead. No, no, sorry, I didn't mean to do it like that. I, I just realised what I did. Because they were dead. You cannot get a response from a dead thing. What does it say in the Scriptures? You are dead to sin. It should not have a response from us. It should not have a response. And if you're a Christian, that's your position. Dead to, Christ, dead to sin, alive to God, and sin has no, no, no power or influence over you anymore. However, if you're not a Christian, then you're in trouble. You really are in trouble because if you haven't trusted, if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ, your position has unaltered. You are still a slave to sin, to the, to the master of sin. You're still a slave to that. It has power over you. It has influence over you. It controls you. You respond to it. Time and time and time again. Even when you know it's not good for you, Denise, we respond to it. And chapter 12 tells us that if you continue in that, in that vein and let sin reign, obeying its desires, death is the result. So who's reigning in your life? That's the question this morning. Who's reigning in your life? Is it materialism to the point where you're in so much debt you can't make the payments on the credit card anymore? Is it that you have to keep buying things all the time? You must have this, you must have that, you must enjoy that experience. Is it greed? Is it anger that's controlled? Are you angry at life, at people, at things, at circumstances, at the preacher? Or is it unfaithfulness and lust? How's your relationship with your spouse, your parents, your siblings? Again, during the week I had a phone call from a family member. Things are not good. What about lies and deceit? Is that how you live? Just telling another lie, another story, a half-truth. Addictions, hatred, low self-esteem. Two masters, what does it mean? Does it even matter? Who is in control? Whose slave am I? A master is a person entirely, sorry, a slave is a person entirely under the domination of some influence or some person. So it does matter. It really does matter. And that matters absolutely. And in chapter, in verse 15 to 21, Paul addresses this. You know, in the US, with, after the Civil War, no slave stayed on and became a sharecropper with a violent and inhumane master. They looked at the old master and they thought, no, nah, I'm not staying, I'm moving out. And it didn't matter that, that they probably left the only life that they knew. And you read the stories, if you, if you get a chance to re- read the stories, 
Some of them were born into slavery. And that's all that they knew. And they knew their bondage was not the way that they should live. They knew that. It wasn't what they were created for. And so this morning it's the same thing for you. If you're not a believer, if you haven't trusted in Jesus, if you're still following the old master of sin, if he's still controlling you, influencing your life, it's time you made a change. Change your master. Another interesting thing, and this is my analogy, of course, not Paul's, but another interesting thing that I was thinking about when I was looking at the US uh, uh, slavery situation is that even though there was a war and and the right side won and there was an an emancipation proclamation, it's hard to say, and, and two years later there was actually the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery... The proclamation didn't change the master at all. Didn't change the master. Whatever he was, cruel, kind, compassionate, inhumane, it made no difference. The proclamation didn't change the master at all. What was needed for the slave to gain the benefit was a new master. A new master. This morning, God gives you the opportunity to change masters. He gives you the chance, the opportunity, like we said, an opportunity to change masters, to have Jesus Christ as your master. Now again, going back to the US example, There were some plantation owners that were Christians, God-fearing people, and they treated their slaves still as slaves but humanely and and reasonably fairly. And so those slaves, they chose to stay with their master. Who's your master? If you had a choice this morning, would you change to a new master? You know, people, verse 21, the question was, uh, verse 21 says, asked, what benefit did you reap by staying with your old master? That's what Paul's asking this morning. What benefits are you reaping from staying with your old master? You know, people don't like God. People reject God not because he's, he's bad or he's cruel or he's a party pooper. No. People don't like God because they like sin more. That's hard to understand, isn't it? But you think about it. When I speak to people about coming to faith, oh, you have to give up this, have to give up that. But when you look at all those things that they say, they're all things that harm us. God isn't a party pooper and say, I don't want you to have fun. He doesn't say that. 
He doesn't say you, 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 you can't enjoy life. He doesn't say that. He, but he does give us instructions, doesn't he, on how to get the most out of life and how, how to live life to its full. You see, God, God created humanity with certain needs, but we, what we've done is try to meet these needs in an unrighteous way, in our own way, not God's way. And the results are evidence today in your life and mine. And so we get to this bit here, the two, the two results, wages versus rewards. One master pays wages, and you may think, well, that's good, that's good. I like wages. The other master gives rewards. You see, there's something about wages that are interesting. Wages are earned. Earned. They're deserved. They are a return. In this analogy, they are a return on the way you've lived. The wages of sin is death. There's a man called Carl Menninger, Dr. Carl Menninger, a psychiatrist who runs the Menninger Clinic in America. And he has a look at uh, human uh, nature and problems that we have and he says, of the seven deadly sins, this is what they do, this is why they're deadly. A psychiatrist. Pride destroys relationships. It exploits people and it controls people. Lust destroys personality. It weakens loyalty, destroys integrity. I'm, I'm reading through this yesterday and I'm thinking, this, this, is, this is where I live. Here. This is my world. My society. Gluttony destroys the body. Overindulgence in anything is self-destructive. No one's forcing you to do it. But it's there, isn't it? Anger destroys others either by violence or by words. And this doctor says that sloth destroys opportunities and, 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 and reaching your full potential, a God-given potential. Sloth destroys that. Greeted envy destroys contentment. And then he talks about waste and cheating and stealing and cruelty. All these sins are destructive. They're not fun. Are they? I, I, I don't do drugs. I listen to 3OW and, and they all say that the first hit of heroin is just amazing. And then it's downhill all the way from there. It enslaves you and it destroys you. But the first hint, wow. Slave and master. But the gift, the gift of God is eternal life. And that's not something just in the future for heaven. It's part of it. But eternal life starts right now. You know what happens immediately when someone believes? If you believe in Jesus Christ this morning, this is what's going to happen to you. Immediately, instantly, you get a new heart. God gives you a new heart. And that heart loves God. And you get a new nature that hates sin. And a new desire 
to obey a new master. How do I know that's true? I can personally attest to this. In January 1980, I became a believer. I accepted Jesus Christ. That's what happened to me. I never used to love God. I never had the desire to follow after his things. And probably, you know, did a lot of sinful things. I, I did. Not probably, I did. But straight away, straight away, after I became a believer, those things, a new desire. I wasn't a very nice person when I was back then, 21. That was 20, when I was 21. You may think I'm still not very nice, but I have improved. God has, has helped me to improve my life. He has blessed me. I have a new master, Jesus Christ, and I follow him. And he's a good master. I, I am attesting to that. He is a good master. I shared with you a few weeks ago when I was doing communion about the Lord saying, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. My yoke my work is easy and my burden, the things I'm asking you to do is light in comparison to the old master. Come unto me. And the third bit of that, that verse 23 is very important. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you in Christ? I have to ask you that this morning. Paul's in your face. I'm going to take a leaf out of his book. I'm going to be in your face this morning. Are you in Christ? Have you trusted Jesus to be your saviour? There's only two ways you can answer this. Remember, there was two masters, two two lives, two results, and now there are two ways that you can answer this question. Yes would be the best answer you could give me. I'd love you to say yes. But I have a follow-up question. Are you living for Jesus Christ? Or are you still listening to the old master as well? Hmm? You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 6, 19 to 20, it says, says, you are not your own. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, you're not your own. You're a slave to Christ. We read about that this morning, did we not? And it says there, you were bought at a high price. And you can see the analogies, can't you, that Paul has here with slavery. Slaves were bought and sold and bought and sold. Bought with a high price. Therefore, honour God with your body. And we're going to learn a lot more about that in Romans chapter 12. But the question this morning is, if it's yes, I am in Christ. Are you living for him? Are you serving the master as you should? Of course, there is the other answer, isn't there? No. No, I'm not in Christ, Raph. My question to you then is, are you willing to continue to live a self-destructive life that you're heading towards? Because in the end, that's where it leads. It leads to death. The Bible says it. God says it, the preacher says it, 
And life tells you it's true. Life experience tells you it's true. Are you willing to continue on this path? Especially when you, the way of salvation has been made to you. Haven't you been trapped in sin long enough? Aren't you tired of living enslaved by sin? Don't you long to be freed from the slavery of sin? We can help you. We really can. We can help you in the process of coming to Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes that invitation that he gives, come unto me, it seems like an easy thing, but it's a hard thing to take that first step. We'd like to help you this morning to take that first step. To show you from God's word all the wonderful things that God has in store for you. The promises that he makes to you if you come to him. We would like to pray with you and we will try to answer any questions that you have. We can't guarantee that we'll have every answer, but we will try very hard. At the end of the service, I'll be sitting down here. Please feel free to come down and have a chat to me. I can pray with you. Or there might be some other person here, another elder in the church you'd like to speak to. Please do that. But I know it's hard even to do those two little things. So there's a number up there. 0419-898-682. Ring it any time, any day. And we can help. We really can. We want to help. We want you to experience the love of God just like we have. We want you to feel the freedom that comes with trusting Jesus Christ, a good master. A master who's working for our betterment, not for their own wealth but for our betterment. And he gives rewards. I'd encourage you to come. Come unto the Lord.